0: Amen. God is amazing. Go ahead and have a seat. My name is Kurt. I'm one of the pastors here, and it is a special treat to be back worshiping with all of you this morning. Tammy and Lucas and I, our family, have been away on vacation for a few weeks, and uh, we are just excited to be able to see lovely faces here in the sanctuary and to join all of you at home and around the country who are joining us for worship this morning. Uh, We had some time to see how amazing God is by getting out into his creation. We spent a lot of time in the national parks here in Washington. So we were in Mount Rainier National Park and we were on the Olympic Peninsula. We got to do some camping and some hiking. We have some pictures that we can kind of show you. I think if we're ready, just amazing crystal clear brooks and streams and trees and Uh, some of the pictures are a little uh, wonky, but that's okay. You get the idea. Oh, what a beautiful time to just get away from the television, to get away from the news, to get away from the to-do list, and to just breathe in the beauty of who God is. And yet in the midst of all of that, to recognize that uh, we still have to come back to real life. right? And that real life continues, and and, and then as we come back, it is encouraging to come back to a wonderful spiritual family who we know loves us and cares about us, and to be able to worship together this morning is a wonderful treat, and so it is an honor and a joy to be here. I have to say a huge thank you to Pastor Brian, uh, Jeff's best friend, who led us in worship a few weeks ago, and his call to remember that everyone who has said yes to Jesus is called to ministry, that the vocation of our lives is a vocation to service and that no matter what your career path or what you do with your time it is about using the gifts and the abilities and the, the resources God has given you to serve his kingdom in the place where you have been called and what a wonderful reminder that as a faith community we are called and we are called to be set apart to be representatives of God's kingdom in our lives and in our relationships. And then, of course, a huge thank you to Pastor Jeff, who kept the fort down while while I was gone and kicked off our summer series called Amazed, which is a a series just looking at some of our favorite psalms. If you were with us a number of years ago, you know we've done this in the summer before, and we thought, you know, how fun would it be to just have this Amazed series be something that we just kind of bring back every once in a while, to jump back into the psalms and to To dive deep into the heart of God through this worship and prayer book that is such um, an amazing resource for us to do our own soul care. And so Jeff has done a wonderful job in reminding us that when we go to the Psalms, we recognize that the the, the psalmist, uh, David first, but then those who took on the mantle to continue this prayer and worship book were, were real people. And they talked about raw and real things in their relationship with God, and they brought real emotion and real challenges and struggles, and they lived a real life in relationship with a real God, just as we seek to do here at Faith Covenant Church. Jeff has reminded us that the Psalms give us a better understanding of who God is because they paint a picture of the heart and the character of God as well as the challenges that we have as those who are created in his image to stay in connected relationship with him and the struggle to be drawn away after other things that we're going to see again in the Psalms today. The Psalms help us to look inside ourselves, to examine our own hearts and our own lives, and to see where we are missing that deep need for that living water so that we can sink our roots down deep into God and be refreshed and renewed by the only thing that truly brings life. In the process, the Psalms minister to us. They are a, a balm for our souls. They are food for us to drink and eat. I believe that as we go through this series, God wants to amaze you and me with who he is. God wants to meet us in the midst of where we are, in the good, in the bad, and the ugly, and to demonstrate his mercy and his grace and his love in fresh new ways. His power to help us overcome any obstacle and any conflict and any difficulty that we might face. He wants to amaze us with who he is. Are you ready to be amazed again this morning? Would you pray with me as we enter into God's word again? Holy God, you are truly amazing. And as we count our blessings one by one, we cannot help but be overwhelmed by how generous and merciful and gracious you are. So so often, God, we we turn our backs on you. We run after other things, hoping we're gonna find meaning and happiness apart from you, but you gently and faithfully draw us back to yourself, reminding us that there is no other place that we can go to experience life and happiness and prosperity. So God, as we turn to your word again this morning, would you speak to us the words of life that we need to hear? Remind us of your deep and abiding love for us and help us to once again count our blessings so that we can be reminded that you are a God who is with us, that you care for us, and that you never, ever abandon us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we start this morning, I I just want to ask you a question. How have you been sleeping these days? I, you know, have to admit that I had a little difficulty sleeping while we were camping. You know, the first couple of nights especially was like, oh, this ground is hard. And, you know, we had this pad and 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 I, I was... Heavy enough that I kind of went through the pad, and it didn 't quite do enough to, to, to keep me from waking up over and over again, so you know after our first round of camping, I convinced Tammy that I really needed a cot right uh, so after talking with uh, Kirk Dietz and that, that they were using cots, uh, we went out and bought some cots and well, of course, if I had one, Lucas wanted one too and Tammy was the trooper though she said no i 'm good with the pad, so, so we got some cots, and it made a big difference, but still it is just not the same sleeping in. A tent as it is sleeping in your own bed, right? I struggled to sleep, and and by the time we were done with the trip, I had this kink in my back and it started to cascade, and and I'm still kind of struggling with this like muscular problem with sleeping in a tent, right? So there's lots of things that cause us to struggle with sleep, But, but do we also understand that as we look through the Bible, that our sleep patterns can be an indicator of the status of our spiritual lives? Do we understand that uh, our routines and the quality of sleep that we get can be directly related to the measure of the condition of our soul? Now, sleep might not be an issue for you. Uh, In some ways, like for me, I, I go to bed and I fall asleep pretty easily. And once I'm out, I'm one of those deep sleepers. You know, I won't wake up. My, I have to have the alarm that goes, ah, 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 you know, and I'll hit snooze about three times until I kind of get conscious enough to go, oh, that's my alarm, and I'll get up. I don't have a lot of trouble actually sleeping, but you know where my trouble comes in? I have trouble going to bed. I learned early on as an adolescent that if I stay up later and later, I, and, and this wasn't like a rational thought, right? But, but I, I kind of taught myself that if I stay up and later and later, I can postpone the next day coming. Right? Think of how that works. Right? I, I, I'm kind of anxious and I'm fearful about the next day. And I'm worried that, you know, again, here comes another day where I'm not going to measure up. I'm not going to be good enough. I don't know if I can handle uh, accomplishing all the things that I want to do in life. And so, so I learned to start to avoid the next day coming. And if I stay up later and later, I, I can kind of pretend that I can hold it off. But the truth is, whether or not <laughs> I sleep or not, the next day always comes. Right? So my issue with sleep is not so much being able to sleep, but it's able to go to bed and sleep. How are you? sleeping these days whether or not sleep is an actual issue for you we 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 might ask the question more generally you know we ask each other like well what keeps you up at night what what weighs on your soul and what concerns do you have that cause you to feel anxiety and fear and stress that that prevent you from being able to have good sleep to be able to rest in your own skin." To be able to be at peace in your own life in this world. You see, today we're going to be looking at Psalm 4. And in Psalm 4, the psalmist clearly acknowledges for us again this truth that we we are reminded over and over again by the Bible. Is that life is hard. Life is difficult. And the circumstances of our lives can cause us distress. They can begin to weigh on us. They can begin to squeeze us. And so we begin to look for escape, we begin to look for help, we begin to look for some kind of solution to this anxiety and this pressure that we feel in our lives. And what happens is, if we're not careful, that causes us to go looking at all these different places in the world to help ease that stress, to relieve our distress, to escape sometimes from our own selves, right? Or, the psalmist reminds us today, we can be reminded that when we feel anxiety and fear and stress, those are reminders that it's time to run to God, who is the only source of true help and salvation and relief for our souls. He is the only one who can help us in ways that no one else can. So join me this morning in reading the words of Psalm 4. I love Psalm 4 because uh, it's, it's one of those shorter psalms. A lot of them can be very long, and yet it's a very rich psalm. And so I invite you to hear the words of Psalm 4, and then we'll kind of walk through the different sections and explore what God might have for us in these psalms this morning. Psalm four begins by the intro saying, "For the director of music with stringed instruments, a psalm of David." So, so we know this is a this is a worship song. It, it, it's a corporate prayer that the people would re- recite together. And so even though it has a very personal character to it, like many of our worship songs do, it's the people of God coming together to, to, with music, pray this prayer to God. In many ways, like we've already done in our worship this morning. And it begins, answer me when I call to you, my righteous Or scholars suggest that this should more likely say, "O God of my righteousness, because it is not that that, that God is needing to be uh, identified as righteous, but that we have to recognize that our righteousness only comes from him. Right? So the psalmist is beginning from a place of humility saying, I, I come to you, God, not because of, of, of anything great about me, but because my righteousness is only found in you. Answer me when I call to you, God of my righteousness. Give me relief from my distress. Have mercy on me and hear my prayer. Have you ever prayed a prayer like that to God? I know I have can't take it anymore. God, when is this going to end? God, how long is this going to go on? God, I I can't imagine a way that that life is going to be any different. If you don't step in and do something, I don't know if I can, can last. I've prayed that prayer in my life more than once. How long Will you people turn my glory into shame? Now he's turning his attention uh, to the people of God, right? So first it's a vertical cry to God, but then it's an acknowledgement of the sin and and the shortcomings of, of the people. How long will you people turn my glory into shame? How long will you love delusions and seek false gods? Know that the Lord has set apart his faithful servant for himself. The Lord hears when I call him tremble and do not sin or, or more accurately in your anger do not sin this is the apostle paul quotes the psalm in ephesians in your anger do not sin when you get upset by by circumstances when when your marriage is on the rocks and you can't communicate anymore when your children are disobeying and you can't seem to get them to straighten themselves out when your boss is critical and and, and has no praise for you and you don't see any advice but in your anger, yes, be frustrated because life is difficult. Life is hard in this world, but in your anger, do not sin. Do, do not allow your heart to be turned away from the truth and the fact that you have a God who knows and a God who cares and a God who can help you in the midst of every circumstance that you face in life. In your anger, do not sin. When you're on your beds and you can't sleep at night. When you're on your beds and and, and you can't get your heart to stop racing. When you're on your beds and you can't stop rehearsing over and over again the things in your mind that cause you fear and anxiety and prevent you from being able to fall asleep. Search your hearts and be silent. Offer the sacrifices of the righteous and return your heart to trust. In the Lord, many Lord are asking, who will bring us prosperity? Let the light of your face shine on us, fill my heart with joy when their grain and their new wine abound in peace. I will lie down and sleep for you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. You see in this psalm we have a very clear challenge and a very clear answer to that challenge i would suggest to you that the problem that that the psalmist presents can be summed up in verse six by saying that many lord are asking who will bring us prosperity Many people, uh, ourselves included, are searching for answers to life's deepest problems. We're searching for, 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 for a balm to our anxieties. We're searching for peace and joy in our lives. It's the endless search for happiness, right? For prosperity, for, for the ability to say that somehow we've now arrived. Somehow we've made it. We don't have to worry anymore. We don't have to stress anymore because somehow we've, we've made it to this point of, of perfect safety. But do we understand that that it's an illusion? that the promise of perfect safety and never having any troubles and never having any problems and never having any conflict and and always having the perfect loving relationships is an illusion in this world. We live in a broken and a fallen world that is at war with the kingdom of God. There is an enemy who lies over and over and whispers in our ear to get us to worry and to stress and to turn our hearts away from God and think somehow maybe there's something else that, that can meet the need. Right? Because God's a little slow in following up on my requests. Life is difficult. And many are asking, who can bring us prosperity? But the solution that is easy to overlook, but we are reminded over and over again, comes at the very end in verse 8, where he affirms, you alone, Lord. Make me dwell in safety. There is only one Lord. There is only one God. There is only one faith. There is only one baptism. There is only one spirit. There is only one place that we can go to find our heart's deepest longings and to find the peace and the contentment and the rest that we so long and is available to you and to me right now, this very moment and every day. It comes only from the Lord who puts our hearts at rest because we can put our trust in Him. We are all on a continual search for the answer to our deepest longings the source of our true happiness to experience prosperity in our lives in this world. Sometimes this leads us to think that, that, that answers can be found in places that, that, that sound good in the moment, but what happens is they always leave us feeling disappointed or, or, or disillusioned and ultimately dissatisfied with our lives. Sometimes that might be for us guys, right? We, we put our, our, our hopes in our careers and our, and our identity as men of, of power and, and of can-do spirit and that we can accomplish things and that we can earn merit badges so that people will look at us and say he has value because he's done all of these great things. But if we sacrifice our marriages and our relationships with our kids and, and all the things that make life worth living along the way to get this status, we, we end up life disillusioned and empty with, with a, a wake of broken relationships in our lives. Or what about uh, you, you ladies? Ladies? Right? How many times you're so relational, do you put your hopes and your dreams into a relationship with another human being, into your husband or into your kids, hoping that somehow if you're seen as a, as a valuable wife and as a valuable mother, then, then it means that you have value, but then you experience conflict and difficulty and it doesn't measure up to what you had hoped and so you wonder, am I even loved? Do I even have love? And life leaves you feeling disillusioned and disappointed because there is no human relationship that can truly give value to your soul. You alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. Our dissatisfaction leads us on a continual search for a different answer, a better solution, a more effective strategy, 10 steps to have a healthier physique. (laughs) Somehow that's going to alleviate our distress. If I have a six pack, then maybe I'll feel better about myself and other people will go, ooh, look at him. Because that's what all the magazines tell us, right? That's what all the movies tell us. That's what our culture says you need to do to be seen as lovable and valuable. You have to, you have, to have a great body. You have to have great hair. You've got to have a great car. You've got to live in the best neighborhood. You, you've got to have it all together because if you don't, then, then you're nothing, And yet all those things continually leave us feeling disillusioned, empty, and dissatisfied because they're lies, they're false gods. Because they lead us to think that they can provide the thing that the Bible says only the Lord can provide, which is the satisfaction of your soul. And it only comes through the love of the God who created you and has bought you. At great price. To bring you back to himself. There is only one true source. Of happiness. There is only one true source of prosperity. There is only one true source. Of contentment in the whole world. And his name is Jesus. He is God with a face. He is God come face to face. With you and me. Who gave his life. To remind us that it doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how far you've run from God. God doesn't care because he loves you. And he just wants you to recognize that if you simply stop and turn and run back to God, he will welcome you with open arms and you will find hope for your soul. You see, when we find our happiness and our prosperity in God alone, we find relief from our distress, the Bible says. We find joy in our hearts and we find peace or shalom in our lives. How much do we need these things today? How much do you desire joy? How much do you desire peace? How much do you desire relief from the distress of your life? Men and women, the gift is waiting for you and me. The psalmist reminds us where we go to find them. Now, let's pull back a little bit, right? And let's look at the context of of the psalm. The context of this psalm is an ancient agrarian economy, right? So the crops were the economy. If the crops were good, life was good. If the crops were bad, life wasn't so good, right? Because there was famine in the land and people were starving and people were dying, right? So, so, so the crops were a pretty important indicator of the quality of life at the time. The the motivating circumstances of this psalm seems to be that the crops are failing. There's probably another drought in the land and there's calamity befalling God's people. And so the, the, the leaders of God's people and in worship throw themselves on their knees to cry out to God to say, in your mercy, God, help us. Because it's in that context that the other leaders of the people were often going to, other gods, right, who often claim to have all this power in agricultural fertility human fertility all of this reproductive nature that was required to have a good economy in the ancient world and so there was this temptation when God was being a little bit slow to act to go yeah maybe if we just throw a little sacrifice over here maybe if we just throw something on that altar over there we can kind of hedge our bets we can kind of cover our bases but unwittingly, what the people didn't understand is by doing those, those few little accommodations to, to this God or to that God is they were actually breaking their covenant relationship with the one God who had the power to actually make a difference in their life. These false gods, uh, the psalmist counsels his people to remember that, that, that they are uh, delusions. Do not love delusions and false gods. They're, they're lies. They're empty. They, they don't fulfill the things that they claim to promise. He says, have mercy. And here, this, this word, have mercy on me, uh, uh, scholars suggest, carries the weight of, of generous provision. Right? He is seeking God's generous provision to give him something that he needs. And in this case, it is both divine attention to his prayer. Give ear to my words, O Lord. But then it's also agricultural relief from, from the apparent drought. Help us in our financial need. In the midst of this distress, he approaches God in no uncertain terms. Hear my prayer. How many of you approach God in that way? Hey! You up there! I'm not doing very well right now. Maybe you haven't taken time to look recently, but I need you to hear this prayer. It's important to me. Am I important? What's causing you stress in your life today? What's pressing on you? What is weighing on your soul? What in life is causing you to feel restricted or limited or hemmed in or held back and is preventing you from experiencing the joy and the fruitfulness and the peace that that the Bible continues to promise is somehow available if we just trust God in the right way? if you think about what's causing you stress, if you think about what's weighing on you, if you can identify what that thing or those few things are, what have you been doing to relieve that distress? What have you been trying, and how's that working for you? And have you considered the possibility? That maybe rather than continuing to get on that hamster wheel of doing the same thing you've always done, expecting somehow a different result, that maybe this time it's time to stop. To look up to heaven and say, hey! Hear my prayer. Because I need you right now. so often in the psalms and the old testament if you look for a phrase that begins with how long it's often related to god right the people are crying out for deliverance they're crying out for help and they're like how long oh god until you'll move how long oh god until you'll respond how long will we wait for your salvation but in psalm 4 it's directed at the people How long are you going to persist in pursuing these things that never satisfy and somehow wake up to the fact that you're continuing to love delusions rather than the real God who's already revealed himself to you? How long are you going to turn your, your, your head away from the truth that you claim you believe, but you never take time to access the spiritual power that's readily available through his presence and his spirit in your life? How long will you continue to pursue these things that never satisfy, that continue to leave you feeling empty, that always have such big hopes and promises, but never truly deliver? You see, people bring shame to God's glory when they choose delusions instead of the truth that God has already revealed. Delusions are an apt description of empty and profitless gods who, whose dependence cannot help or save us. In contrast, though, he says in verse 3 know that the Lord has set apart his faithful servant for himself. Now, now before we rush past the sentence, do you see how relational this sentence is? No is not an intellectual knowing. It is a biblical knowing. It is an intimacy of relationship with knowing. Know this about the God who loves you and whom you love. Know that the Lord has set apart his faithful servant for himself. This is a relational experience that God wants to remind us is available for us every day. See, his invitation is for the people to reflect on how their own actions and, and their, their own pursuit of happiness has taken them away from their covenant relationship with God. The, the phrase that is translated here in the NIV, his faithful servant, in Hebrew, scholars tell us, is chasid. Did I say that well? Chasid. I don't know if I, I'm not very Jewish, so... <laughs> chasid is a, a faithful servant. Or it's one who fulfills one's obligations to a relationship. That's a chasid. Now, interestingly, in Hebrew, there's always a lot of really good wordplay that we miss because we don't speak Hebrew. Uh, but there's also chesed. Many of you have heard chesed, right? Which is steadfast love, faithful love. Or maybe even a better word for chesed is the idea of Fidelity. A Hasid is someone who performs chesed, right? A Hasid is someone who performs chesed. Someone who maintains fidelity in relationship. Now, if you think about this word fidelity, it can be faithfulness to a person or a cause or a belief that's demonstrated by continuing loyalty or support, or if you're old enough like me, you can also remember that fidelity has to do with the degree of exactness with which something is copied or reproduced. How many remember hi-fi, right? Before there was Wi-Fi, we had hi-fi. Right, if you were an audiophile and you loved music or even video, you loved high fidelity equipment because it had a higher quality of reproduction in recording the music or the video. Right, so a hi-fi was was the standard. You wanted high fidelity equipment. You wanted high fidelity audio. You wanted high fidelity video. In the Old Testament, the covenant partnership with the people of Israel. Is the relationship that set them apart from the rest of the nations because it was a high fidelity relationship. That's what the covenant was all about. We promise, we vow to be in relationship together in high trust, in high commitment, in high fidelity. But if you think about this word fidelity, it just wasn't about faithfulness to the relationship. But it was also about fidelity to the reproduction of the character of God in the people of God. Which is what we've celebrated and learned as Christians that Jesus came to do, right? Is, Is to reproduce the heart of God in God's people. But when we turn our hearts away from God and we seek satisfaction and preference in all these things in the world, we miss the covenant relationship with God that is supposed to produce the the heart of God in us. And as a result, we end up doing damage to ourselves. We we damage our souls when we damage the fidelity of our relationship with God. Not because of some religious rule that we have to keep in order to be worthy of God, but because we need an accurate reproduction of the heart of God in our lives. That's that's why Jesus came, is to to bless us with with the greatest gift that we could ever hope for. It's, It's the heart of God, it's the life of God in us. And when we experience that life in us our our lives take on the deepest meaning and value and purpose that we could ever hope for or long for and as a result we find peace because we don't have to strive for it anymore we don't have to work for it anymore there's nothing you can do to earn it all you have to do is receive it as a gift and put your trust in him fully because of this high fidelity nature of the relationship with God the psalmist says that we know that God responds to those who are faithful we know that God will take care of your needs we we know that God will fulfill his side of the bargain his side of the covenant because he is the faithful hasid right Jesus came and he said I have come to serve not to be served Jesus said, I have come as God's representative to show you that as God, I am your faithful Hasid, to demonstrate God's Chesed, and that all he asks us is to receive his Hasid, his service to us as a gift, and we can experience that Chesed in our own life. His utmost confidence because he's in relationship with that kind of God that when he cries out it says hey up there are you listening the answer is always 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 yes I hear and I am with you so what should the people do He says, take time to examine themselves, to reflect on what's in their own hearts, to take time to get right with God. Tremble and do not sin. When you're on your bed, search your hearts and be silent. Offer the sacrifices of the righteous and trust in the Lord. See, in their desperation and their fear about their circumstances, they've been trying to find answers in all the wrong places. Many, Lord, are asking who will bring us prosperity? Many are wondering, how can we find the good in this world? In contrast, the psalmist puts his trust in God. And even in the midst of uncertain circumstances, trusting in the proven steadfast love of God is the only place you can truly bank your life on. Let, your, let the light of your face shine on us do you understand how intimately personal the human face is do you understand how we we read emotion we read tone we read affect in in our relationships face to face which is one of the things that's been so hard about COVID-19 right We've been so separated, we've been so distant that that, that we haven't been able to meet face to face. And while that will continue to be a challenge for us, can we understand that God's desire is for us to understand that he wants to meet with us face to face. That he wants us to understand that that he wants to be so intimately close to you that, that his face, his presence with you will be like a light. In the darkness of your life, fill my heart with joy, even when their grain and new wine abound, even if some of those worldly people are successful, even if some of them become billionaires, I understand that my hope is never going to be found in a billion dollars. I might take you out to some nice meals, but it's not going to bring true happiness. It's not going to be what, what the kind of prosperity that God promises in his word. You don't need any of that stuff to find the very meaning and purpose of life. The light and the joy of God himself is the end game. Do you understand? Once you got it, you don't need anything else. When you said yes to Jesus and you received the gift of new life and you received the gift of God's presence through his Holy Spirit, you already arrived. What else do you want? God gave you everything. But it's never good enough for us, right? It's not good enough. It's not enough. Thanks, God, but how about a million dollars? Thanks, God, how about a new car? Thanks, God, how about a better career? Thanks, God, how about better church music? Thanks, God, how about more comfortable chairs? Thanks, God, how about something else? It's always, thanks, God, but what more can you do for me today? Do you understand that we're never satisfied with life in this world? Because we're never satisfied. And that's the sin that takes us away from the truth that God has already given us everything that we need for happiness and prosperity and fulfillment in our marriages, in our churches, in in our relationship with our kids, in our careers. Because it's not about the more. It's about counting the blessings and understand that God has already given us everything. And to he or she who is faithful with the little things that God has given them, more will be added. Not because we need more, but because we'll understand more and more the breadth of how God is using us to be a part of advancing his kingdom. The light and the joy of God himself, present and powerful to you and me, is the end game. That's what we get to celebrate in eternity in heaven. It's eternity with God. And God's here now. Even without the abundance and the promises of these false and lying gods, their grain and their new wine, there is greater joy in our relationship with God through Jesus Christ that only those who are faithful, chesed, Follower, covenant people can experience and know and understand. You see, ultimately the Psalms always point us to Jesus. He is the light of the world. He is the face of God to us. And God's promise is that his presence and his power in us will bring us the joy and the peace we so long desire. In peace, in shalom, I will lie down. And sleep for you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. What are you cultivating with your life today? What is the fruit of the Spirit? That is being born in your relationships, in your career, in your experience of faith covenant church. What fruit do you hope to see? What are, what are we cultivating as a community, the church? What are we cultivating right now as a society? And, and we struggle with that, right? As we watch the news and we see what's happening in the world. We struggle to say what we're cultivating. Is it a good thing or is it a bad thing? But but the question is, how do we cultivate a life of faithful service to the kingdom of God, no matter what gods the world are running after. Because ultimately, it doesn't matter what's happening in the world. It doesn't matter what they're choosing to believe. It doesn't matter what they're choosing to follow, as long as we are reminded that our trust is in God alone. And if our trust is there, we don't have to about that stuff yeah we should we should be engaged in the conversation yes we should pay attention to what's happening in the world yes we should have a voice to speak into the culture around us but we don't have to worry about it so much that it takes us away that somehow we have to choose to invest in the false gods of the world around us that somehow we're going to have power or control over where our country and where our world is heading men and women it's going to go wherever god lets it go And ain't nothing we can do about it. But we can respond to where our world is going when we understand that the faithful love and fidelity of the covenant relationship with God in our own lives is what allows us to experience the love of Christ in our church, in our community, in our world, and then we become a light to the nations of The only source of true prosperity that exists. God wants to amaze us with who he is. God wants to amaze you today, this summer, and in the season ahead. Are you ready to be amazed? Let's pray. God, we thank you for this opportunity to worship together this morning. To be able to hear the good news message of your word that reminds us that there is hope, there is help, and that there is an answer to our greatest longings and our deepest needs. God, forgive us for the ways that we have, have turned our hearts towards other places, towards other delusions and false gods that, that were somehow supposed to, to medicate our souls or to help us escape from our distress or to somehow promise fulfillment in ways that have never really panned out. God, forgive us for thinking that somehow there's someplace else that we could go. Draw us back to yourself. Give us the courage to admit our shortcomings, but to receive your mercy and your grace again and be reminded that it doesn't matter how many times we've made mistakes, but you welcome us back and invite us again to see that you are with us. You never turn your back on us. And as as we put our trust in you, that you will bring joy to our hearts. You will bring peace to our lives. You will make us light to a lost and a hurting world. It's in Jesus' name that we pray.